Welcome to the Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education as a scam that it is. I'm Kevin Prendville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our children, we're losing an entire generation. And now I'm going to leave out the last part of the typical intro here, because this is truly where we are losing our students and sacrificing their financial future. It starts with how they pay for school and how it will wreck their earning potential in life. And it is the crime of the century. So the first way to attack this is, or paint this picture, is with uh, government debt. Now, we've often heard, often, occasionally heard about it on different news media outlets and in different publications. Right now, it's hovering around $22 trillion and in the time we're going to be spending speaking with each other, it's going to raise by about another hundred grand. And actually, uh, the number three most costly thing, the thing that adds to the debt the most, number three on that list is actually interest on the debt that uh, is adding, is compounding so rapidly that it's really painting this, this crisis because the more that that debt accumulates, someone's going to have to pay it off, some tax money is going to have to pay that down, um, or we can inflate the money to such a point where the loans become so small that that they're almost not even paid off. It's a, it's a complicated process, but we didn't actually pay any of our World War II debts. We just inflated the dollar to the point where essentially there was no loan. It became worthless. And that is just as harmful. So when we talk about the, the hidden taxes, it's sometimes been called inflation. It's at about 3.5 to 3.8% uh, every year that the dollar becomes worth less and less. And now I've written, a, or I'm in the process of writing a book called How Inflation Killed the West, and it goes more in depth into this topic about why inflation exists, what's an untethered currency, what does the Federal Reserve do, and how did it kill the West. See, prices don't actually change or the cost of goods doesn't change but the dollar becomes able to buy less and less of that good of the value of that good and it gives the illusion of rising prices and that's really interesting if I had a gold piece today I could go into a Joseph A bank or a, or a clothing store and buy a decent sport coat uh, shirt uh, nice pair of slacks and uh, some decent dress shoes uh, for that gold piece. Don't forget the belt. And if I was in Rome for that same gold piece, I could buy sandals, a decent toga, one of those fancy belts that they tied around so that you know the thing wouldn't fall off, and some undergarments for that same gold piece. The, pr the value of the good hasn't changed. But our dollar, which used to be based on the value of gold, and that's why it exists, so you don't have to mine all this gold to make another coins, you would just say this is worth one-tenth of a gold piece. But it's, it, it's not anymore, so the currency, our currency is worth less and less, and so you just have to put more and more down to buy the same thing. What does that mean? Well, it means that $20,000 in 1950 was enough, more than enough, to raise two kids, buy a nice house, buy a car, uh, and, and, and live a very comfortable life, 20000 a year, and today 
that is less than the average family makes in the city of Detroit. And and the and the reason that for that is is just the currency is is quickly becoming more and more useless. So you need more and more of it, which means you have to earn more and more. And so this is where you get into the job market. Okay, so wealth is created when you create a solution for either a corporation or a group of people that need what you have. Now, if you work for a company, even if it's just in a cubicle or you know, typing away, you're still solving a problem for that company. Therefore, you're compensated for it. Uh, if you're working at a, you know, a Burger King, they still need someone to flip the burgers, they need someone to take care of the customers, but they can find that anywhere. Therefore, your value is as low as they can set it. Now, wealth is not easy to generate, though we can put it in those simplistic terms. It's very, not, it's very clear it's, it's hard to, to generate. Most of the world lives in poverty. And the U.S. is special in the sense that most of our civilians are far above the poverty line, but it's still not enough. You look at the, the coming debt crisis, and not even that, you look at the coming social security crisis, where we're, we were sold on, on, on social security that it's just some lockbox somewhere the government collects from your paycheck, and they put it in a lockbox, and then they wait, and then, you know, old man Bill uh, retires, and they, they take a little bit from here, and they give it to him. It's not how it works. Social security is a tax out of your paycheck. Either you pay it or your employer pays it, and that money's gone. That's whatever the government spends it on, they spend it on. And so they need to take out loans to pay Social Security or they need, uh, again, to raise. They actually will, if you make too much in retirement, they will actually tax your Social Security to take some back from those who earn too much. How much is that? Well, that's $40,000. If you make more than $40,000 in retirement, the government will take 85% of your Social Security, count as, it, as, as income, and take that back from you. So it's still going to be broke. Social Security is going to be broke in 2023 or 2026. That was the latest I heard. Now, that may be incorrect. It may change. But somewhere in that timeline, in the, uh, in the 2020s, we're going to face a real crisis. And there are two ways to solve it. Raise taxes or blow up the program. And the left is very gung-ho about raising taxes. Let's, that, that, that's not a political statement so much as a fact. They have, that's just the platform they've been using. Look at, you know, uh, Cortez, look at Bernie Sanders, look at, look at any of them, Pelosi even, some of the moderates. And I can't believe I'm saying Pelosi is a moderate, but in comparison, you know, uh, th she is. Uh, Chuck Schumer, again, moderate in the new Democratic Party, still wants to raise taxes. Hillary Clinton's 55% top tax bracket looks modest compared to Bernie Sanders, 90%. But that's their solution. And the right's solution, and I mean the political right, not the right solution, although I would agree with it, is get rid of the program. But the modern Republican can't say that. And why can't they say that? Well, seniors live on Social Security. 
Why? Because our currency is at a point where it's so devalued that the money that they earned while working simply can't cover their bills and they need Social Security. But the program's going to be broke and we have the baby boomers retiring. So we've got this huge mass of people that are starting to pull from the system and they should because they paid into it for their entire lives. And, but you've got a smaller, not too small, not a Japan issue, but a, a smaller a base of people in, in Gen X and the millennials who are going to have to pay for these baby boomers to retire. And so it's already going to be broke. Then you have the demographic shift. It's going to be more in debt. And then you combine it with uh, Cortez wanting her uh, Green New Deal and uh, all of this crazy stuff that could cost trillions of dollars and just blow out the debt. And people wonder why kids going to school are cynical. Now we talked about cynicism and all that, um, the philosophical stuff last week, but think about how many kids start life now. They go and they, there's no way they're gonna be able to afford, at the age of 18, I don't know how many people have two to $300,000 laying around. My guess is probably 10, no, 10, you know, 10, not like 10%. Like there's like maybe a couple kids that are the sons of billionaires that, you know, have that kind of money. And even so, they're probably, you know, going to Harvard and schools that cost 500000 to, you know, $700,000 instead of two to 300000 I'm talking about the full tuition here. So what do they do? Well, they have to take out a student loan that's the bank can just approve this 18-year-old kid for a $200,000 loan to go pay to the university. And no matter what the student does, they can never get rid of that payment until it's, what, paid off. Even if they went bankrupt, it's written in the bankruptcy law, student debt is not forgiven. It, that, that, that will stay with them until they've paid it off. There's... Uh, there's more than enough people that I've met who are in their 40s and saying, I'm getting to the end of my student payments. All right, so the job market looks like this. We have this, this huge abundance of people trying to get into the skilled workforce. That's, you know, your computer jobs, your coding, your journalism, your basically the things that, that, that are real jobs that you go to college to learn business, you go to, to learn finance you get into the skilled force to try to make a living. So the now you've got all this other competition with all these people with college degrees who are all in debt and need a job, so they're all going to be applying for jobs. You know, don't worry about that. And we almost don't have enough to go around. We have a few job openings in, in retail. Manufacturing is sort of on the rise since Trump, but that seems unstable uh, at the very least because, of course, if a, if a Democrat gets elected in 2020, they'll probably roll back a lot of his deregulations and hurt the, uh, that, that market again. Now, what this means is that many college student, with, uh, students with degrees, and 60 Minutes actually did a piece on this. Gosh, it must have been six years ago. But there's a guy with a law degree, and either he was you know, the worst student ever, or he was the average student. He was, he had a law degree, he was 28, and had gotten, finally gotten his first job 
uh, at it was like some sort of low level, like just above intern at a law firm. He had been a bartender for like six years, paying student debts, lived in an apartment, had no money because everything was going to car payments, insurance payments, which is now forced, by the way, because of uh, Obamacare. And even if they replace it with Trump Care, they probably, no, they did repeal the mandate. I'm sorry, but at the time, had to pay his health, uh, health insurance, which was going through the roof because everybody was covered by it. He had to go pay for his car payments. He had to, he had student debt. He had personal debt. He had credit cards, all this stuff. And he was, you know, barely making ends meet. And we wonder why. All the while, his, the money that he's making is going downhill because he's not getting a three, you know, 4% raise every year. So it's not battling inflation. So at the same time, he's being taxed on that and paying you know, personal tax, although it couldn't have been that much. And then people, we all wonder why the younger generation is is angry. Well, he got no money, he got no enjoyment, We because we kicked out God, so he's got no spirituality, he got no money, and it's like everything, everything's terrible. What's so great about, what's so great about the system? What's so great about America? My, my currency's worth nothing. Everything, you know, is gonna fall apart, and it's, it's teetering on this debt that that uh, this rock that's just been buffeted by the waves and this is where we have to be careful this is a lot of negative social situations and there are a couple examples that I'd like to point to in which anger and idle hands turn into truly the devil's workshop um, though it wasn't anywhere close to some of the, the, the forces we see today um, in early 20th century Russia, I'm talking 1905, this is before World War I, Russia nearly fell into uh, communist hands. And the reasoning for that, it was right after the Sino-Japanese Sino War, they had just um, lost to uh, the Japanese and it was kind of humiliating because a lot of the Western powers at the time didn't necessarily recognize Japan yet as a, as a power as they would in the 1930s and after World War One. So we have a little bit of parallel with the failure uh, in the Iraq war, and that's only a failure because of the aftermath. That's another topic for another day and probably another podcast. But my point is, not only the youth, but even some of the, uh, the, the older I mean, let's call them what they are in Russia, peasants, and that's not a, a downgrade. That's just their medieval backward social structure at the time nearly led to the Tsar being overthrown. And so, and it did happen after World War I, this massive war where Russia just got crushed by both the uh, Germanic countries and uh, really only had success against the Turks. And... We wonder why the Soviet Union came to be and became this tyrannical, uh, evil power. Well, it's because uh, the outpouring of anger and frustration and, and, f and just lost feeling of the masses. And it's not any different in the U.S. right now in terms of, look, the young people are angry. They don't have any money. The 25% of millennials, it, it, uh, a study just came out, 25% of millennials are still living with their parents not because they don't have jobs and are just sitting around, you know, playing Xbox. It's because they can't afford to live on their own. They, they just, they, again, we've been through all the reasons why they can't afford to be on their own in many cases. Many of these 
uh, where the, in the top places where millennials still live with their parents, uh, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, the, almost all of the more urban areas where cost of living is very high because you have rent controls and you have government interference. And what's the solution? All, all of this complaining and describing the problem all means nothing if we don't have a solution or something to look forward to. And like I said, there are two solutions. One gets us in more trouble, but is more is easier to sell to the public. The other one is a little harder, but I believe is the right solution. First solution, raise taxes. We won't, we won't change anything we're doing. We'll raise taxes. And the connection that I usually go back to, and that's example, is shortly after the French Revolution, they decided to tax the, the wealthy in a progressive tax system. And what happened? Well, the wealthy said, I'm not paying this tax. And they went to Belgium and they went to Austria and they went, well, Austria and Belgium, they went to the Netherlands. They went to the Germanic countries and the Rhine River. They went to England. Some of them came to the New World, to the Louisiana colonies and, and dispersed from there because they didn't have to pay that, that high tax. So you see uh, some of the companies uh, that are leaving the United States, you know, they'll go into China, they'll go into India. You see that with bigger corporations. Apple produces things in China, uh, Nike notoriously in Bangladesh and in India. And why? They don't want to pay U.S. workers. They don't want to pay U.S. taxes. We have the highest corporate tax rate in the United States. So what do we do? Well, we get rid of that because that's 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 silly or we slash it to, to be the lowest in the develop, uh, developed world, invite, do exactly what Trump's doing, invite these bigger businesses back, what will that do? Well, that will help uh, wages increase because now if you're not spending so much on just taxation, you're reinvesting. What does reinvesting mean? Well, it means, hey, you're a good employee, we need to keep you, here's a raise, you know, don't leave. Uh, or it means, hey, we're going to update the technology, which makes uh, workers more productive, makes them happier. And that money gets reinvested and, makes the, and simply makes the company better, which coincidentally means that they'll pay more taxes because they're staying here and reinvesting. The other solution would be stop with the student loan nonsense. And, and what I mean by that is giving a blank check to universities to charge whatever they want because they know it's going to be paid immediately by a loan and then saddle the student with the debt, that's not fair to the student. That That is extortion, that is predatory uh, lending. Get out of here. They let the free market, if you're smart enough to go to school, the school's going to want you, they're going to get you a scholarship, they're going to find some way to get you in the school. and. What's so bad about waiting a few years, deciding what you want to do with your life, and if you need college to accomplish that goal, then save and, and, and go to college or pay by semester. So you only pay, I have this much, okay, I'll complete this semester, okay, I have that much, I'll put, you know, and it may take a number of years, but college is not, it's not like a public school where, you know, it's just a, another level of schooling you go to. It's supposed to be in addition to, in order to, 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 to reach up and get to a job that you, or a destination in life that you want to get. Now there are plenty of people making money who either didn't go to college or didn't finish. Of course you have the stories of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs who um, 
you know, dropped out or the guy who started uh, Virgin Airlines. College is not essential. But it is, it isn't a bad institution. I know we have this whole podcast on it. But it's not an essential institution that needs to be funded by the government. Well, it's not even funded by, it is funded by the government in, in some respects. What's more so funded by these blank checks that are just handed to them that the student has to there, then pay for. So it's not even like they start with nothing. They start behind. They start with negative, essentially. And... That will help at least make people feel a little bit more accomplished because they'll start to be 25, 26, and, and they'll have um, a little bit of pocket change. They'll have the ability, if, if we slash taxes, if we get the government out of these different organizations. And finally, uh, what about saving in different plans that, that, that aren't taxed as much? We didn't touch up, uh, on it as much, but reducing your personal tax bill is very important in this case because the less money that you're spending on taxes, the more money you have to invest in different projects or say for a vacation or do whatever you want with that you're not, you know, shelling out to the government, that you're not, like we talked about with the, the rich people leaving in France and the, and the corporations leaving here, if we cut our taxes on the upper class, on everybody really, They'll come back, they'll reinvest their own wealth into different real estate projects and, uh, you know, different tech companies. And they'll create things that better the quality of life. And that's what we're all after. But we can't do this while we have this tremendous debt. We saddle students with fixing the problem. And then, you know, they go to college. And as we've explored on the different philosophy segments, then they, they learn all this, this crap. They come out as Marxists and then they're going to overthrow the greatest system in in the world because they are angry, they are frustrated, and we're robbing our youngest students of their ability to create and prosper. And that's the crime of the century. Hey guys, I just got the proof copy of my newest book, Smoke and Mirrors, A Financial Story. Let me tell you why I wrote this book. See, I believe that because of what we've been taught, that we're unknowingly and unnecessarily sending tens of thousands of dollars away to the government, financial institutions, and Wall Street. So I actually wrote the book that goes over the mindset first of breaking free from this conditioning, but then also about exactly how and why these institutions have infiltrated our finances. So pick it up today, $9.99 on Amazon or from my site where you can get a free half-hour webinar from me at kevinprendeville.com.